Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adopting Wellness. I'm Katie. And I'm Laura. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Would you we're look alive. at it? <laughs> Where did you look at it? Somehow. Yep. Yeah. Episode 11. Uh, we were supposed to have a guest last month. And um, yeah, life just happened. It's It's been hard. Yeah. So here we are in September, mid-September, and we are reconnecting. Yes. We are reconnecting with, gosh, like ourselves, <laughs> each other, <laughs> the world, like all the things. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Probably should give people an update on Very. what has been happening for us. Katie has been through it. I know last episode <laughs> we talked about that you had been diagnosed with Bell's palsy. And I think you've said it's improved like maybe slightly, but not a ton, right? Yes. Uh, I am going on week, what is it? Week, I'm on week nine of Bell's palsy. And I th- I think the average is around three months when people start seeing very small improvements. So I'm I'm still not even there yet, which is mind-blowing. I don't think any of my coworkers have really, well, not any, but most of my coworkers have not even seen my face on a camera in over two months. And that's been really challenging. It's been really weird. And I mean, the whole experience is just so weird. I can't explain it. Yeah. And there's just really insignificant or small things that happen in my daily life that I never would have thought about before Bell's palsy, you know, even just meeting someone new and just thinking like, they don't know that I don't normally look like this or talk like this or, you know, whatever it may be. And it's just been such a weird process. So that's been happening. I also got COVID yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, <laughs> uh, it was, that was challenging because <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually did feel sick. I actually did have symptoms. So I feel much better. I do not have COVID. I have really just been trying to survive i mean i hate that that's where i'm at but there's a lot of shame involved in saying that which there shouldn't be but i get like it's it's i mean i mean i'm kind of in the same boat i don't have the illness that you've gone through it there's a lot of shame like in just saying that like i'm barely treading water right now and yeah part of life so why is there so much shame you know it's just hard yeah i think we as a society, build up this idea of success and comparing ourselves to other people and what they've accomplished and mm-hmm. what we see on the outside of social media and mm-hmm. even just even in person and just hanging out with someone. You don't mm-hmm. really know what's going on in their lives until you really sit down and talk about it. And I think because of those deeply ingrained thought processes of 
well, I have to be successful. I have to be um, fully functioning, <laughs> overly reactive, overly, you know, functioning human being, almost yeah. like a superhero. Yeah. That, yeah, that's what creates all this shame of saying, I'm not doing well and it's not okay. And I do need help. Right. And I think, you know, our society has gotten better about talking about mental health and, you know, the idea of asking for help. For sure. But there's still this shame of saying, I'm just surviving. Like, I am just trying to exist and keep myself alive. And that's kind of silly, really, when you think about it, right? Right. Because, I mean, when we think about animals, animals have typically seasons which typically winter, right? Everyone slows down for a certain amount of time. So productivity goes down. Um, Even in other countries like Europe, people that work in Europe very rarely are working very very much in the summertime, right? Like it's just this idea that we have to be constantly at 100%. And then I think not only that, I don't know if you share this, I have this fear. When people ask me how I'm doing, if I'm not able to say I'm great, I'm amazing. And I'm just able to say like, I'm barely surviving right now, then I think it gets escalated to the point where like, then it becomes this catastrophe. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. It can just be that like, I'm, I'm not answering as many texts or emails or DMS because I'm just trying to keep my kid fed and clothed, or I'm trying right. to like do my job or I'm trying, you know what I mean? Like I've had to go down to bare basics and there's nothing, there shouldn't be anything shameful about that. Yeah, I think when people ask how I'm doing and I'm really not doing okay, my answers, I used to say I'm fine, which of course is not fine or okay. But what I say now is I'm okay. I'm I'm surviving. Yeah. I or I say I'm alive. Yeah. That's all I can say yeah. is I'm alive. Uh, unless it's you or someone I'm close with, I'm I kind of lie. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like <laughs> because I just don't want to deal with the emotional repercussions from other Ugh. people's expectations. I'm just like, I'm great. Anyway, moving on, you know? Yeah. Because so many people don't understand that nuance involved in you've just you're in a season of needing to just go kind of into yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't, that doesn't mean that you're broken. That doesn't mean that someone needs to call a hospital for you. <laughs> like that doesn't, right? you know, and I just, I think, especially for adoptees, we're being over pathologized, right? As, as a community, as a, as a group, I think a lot of us are very sensitive to that. And I definitely share that. I've, I was extremely pathologized throughout my life. I've had almost every label kind of thrown at me and bounced off by professionals throughout most of my life and, and for good, they bounced off for a reason because it didn't fully resonate with what was happening, you know? And, um, I think that definitely my fear of being sort of cast aside and labeled is all wrapped up in that, you know? Yeah. And I think as adoptees, it's, it's, it comes natural to just hide behind, you know, it's, it's, that idea that if we really say what's really going on, yeah. 
or how we feel, then we're going to make someone else feel uncomfortable. Yep. And that's been a lot of our lives is making other people feel comfortable with how we're feeling and really not having that safe place to be able to express that those really um, strong emotions without having someone tell you, well, so-and-so has it worse than you. Right. Or, or you're wrong. You don't actually feel that way. Or right. you should feel this way. We're very accustomed to that, right? Yes. Yes. So it's, yeah, there's a lot that goes up against us mm-hmm. as humans, but I think it's really compounded for adoptees. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's really well said, how you said it before, for sure. So you had mentioned about just how difficult it was to keep up yeah. with yeah. your life. Um, you know, going to going to air basics. Yeah. What does that look like for you? And how do you really make those decisions? Yeah. To cut back for yourself? Huh. If anyone has the answer to that, I'd love to hear. Because <laughs> I have no freaking idea. Um, so I ha- I'll just give people kind of an update and I hadn't shared this yet on the podcast, but I think it's very applicable and I feel comfortable sharing at this point. Um, in May, um, first of all, I've been in reunion for four and a half years. Um, and I found my birth mother and her family on ancestry and we have had a really positive reunion experience so far. I mean, like to the fact where, to the point where I genuinely feel like it's a, it's a gift in my life and we both feel that way. And I have half brothers. I have relationships with like, I, we both feel, she and I both feel very fortunate to have found each other and we want to soak it up. And so she's been going through some life changes. She actually ended up moving to our town and she lives like 10 minutes from us now. And so that happened in May and essentially we've gotten to spend the whole summer together and it's been amazing because it's not just with her. It's also her and my husband and her and my son and like my little brothers. And it's just been a true gift. And I was just messaging with another adoptee who's, who's been also having some reunion stuff, you know, kind of things happen. It's also a lot. It's, and it, the, one of the hardest things about reunion, I think that, that people ask me like, Oh, what would you tell people about it? I think what I would say is it's very easy for every joyful experience in reunion to still be tainted with grief. Sure. And I think it's normal. Mm-hmm. So you're not, the thing about reunion is you know, you, you can still feel immense joy, but you have to learn how to live alongside the grief because it doesn't go away. And so, especially in a new season where we're like finding a new rhythm, like living closer to each other and, um, and my son being two and just, you know, there's always changes that happen in parenthood. The things are always changing. It's just something I've had to make a lot of space for. It's a really good thing, but it's a lot of, emotional labor, like just trying to figure it out. And, um, 
not force myself into like something that I, again, that old pattern that we were just talking about where it's about prioritizing everyone else and not myself. So it's hard. It's been hard. And honestly, I haven't done the best job of that. I think I'm, I'm so much more comfortable as a people pleaser (laughs) than I am at saying no, but because, and and I wanted to say yes, this is a summer of saying yes for me to specifically that relationship. And I I mean, I lost out on 35 years with her. Right. And I want, I want to not make up for that, but just make really amazing memories, you know? Sure. Sure. So I made a lot of space for that. And that meant I had to have a lot of less space for everything else. You know? Uh-huh. That's so, so hard. Mm-hmm. It sounds like <laughs> an adoptee existence, you know, mm-hmm. being able to learn how to live in the tension between happy moments yeah. in our lives and also a lot of grief. Yeah. That's, in those that's been... Moments. That's been the way. It's been heavy on the joy. We've been so lucky. We've had genuinely like a gorgeous summer up here. I mean, stunning. Like we've spent as much time outside as we possibly can. And it's just been, I mean, we've barely hit 80 degrees. I'm sorry to everyone in the South and elsewhere. This makes me shake my head. I know. But it's it's been amazing. And, And it's new and hard and she's going through a lot and you know it's like we've found really healthy relationship dynamic and it's it's very it's working for us but yeah there's there's really no way around especially for for me it's and the reason I hadn't shared it on the podcast until now is because I hate fielding the questions because it's really no one's business but ours right yep Um, I actually, so I've had some stuff with my health. I kind of mentioned in passing last episode or the one before that I'm like, maybe there's some perimenopause stuff happening. I don't know. But I went and saw a homeopathic or like a naturopath doctor here um, because I'm, I'm a little weary of just like, oh, let's throw like a bunch of medication at a problem if we don't need to do that, you know? So she was great. um, And I think gave, you know, just... I told her my symptoms and she's receptive to that and um, asked really thorough amount of questions and spent a little bit of time on family history. And the way that I answer the family history question is just, you know, (laughs) I don't have family, complete family history. um, Mm -hmm. And that was fine. We got, I mean, she spent 90 minutes with me. Whoa. So yeah. What? Yes. Wait, what, what is she, what? What? Yeah. What does she do? So she takes like a complete history. She goes okay. into everything. Like not even not I'm not talking family history. I'm talking like sure. What what are you experiencing? What are you eating? How are you sleeping? What are you know what I mean? Like all those mm-hmm. all those areas of my life. And I mean, she explained so many things to me, which I thought was helpful. Um she's uh she's a licensed um, is it naturopath? I think. And so she knows her stuff. It's very clear to me that she knows her stuff. And she was asking me about trauma. And so I thought that was really thorough of her to ask about trauma. And of course, when we started getting into trauma, adoption came up. 
<laughs> because I can't no. really not tell this lady <laughs> if she's spending 90 minutes with me, it's going to come up. But what happened, um, I want to say like she was great. And I told her, you know, I've, we've had a lot of change in our family. And I told her I've reconnected with my birth mother and, uh, you know, she just asked, Oh, how'd you find her? And just kind of curious questions like that. And it was fine. We were, we were chit chatting. I didn't find it to be like invasive that she was asking me that way. But the very first question she asked after that was, well, well, do you still have a relationship with your adoptive parents? Implying like, well, what do your adoptive parents think of this? Yes. Right. And it was uh, everything. It was everything I, I had not to roll my eyes at her. You know, I mean, it was just <laughs> instant shutdown for me. I was like, okay, we're done talking about this. But yeah. I went home and asked my husband. I was like, okay, I told him the whole scenario, and I was like, I j- I have now been out of the fog for so long. <laughs> probably, I mean, ten plus years at least. Mm-hmm. It's so hard for me to remember why that's the first question. And I literally was like, I, I don't, can you tell me why? Like, why is that the first question that people ask? And he, he's like, I said, do you think it's because the only comparison people have is if they're not adopted is like with their own parents and they can't imagine that that would be a betrayal and Uh to that. And he's like, no, I think it's the narrative. What? Go Jake. I know Jake's Jake. He's been so indoctrinated by us at this point. <laughs> no, but he gets it. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But for my husband, who's not adopted, um, to say that, I thought that was so interesting that he had to remind me, mm. right? Like, no, that's why. Because the narrative is that it's all about the adoptive parents. It really is. And that yeah. everything is centered around what they need and what they want. And that that's your job is to be that. And to, and I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. I just, I, there's a part of me that really didn't want it to be that, you know? Sure. Sure. Man, there's so much to what you just said. I know. So much. Like just the experience of going to a physician and having to explain in a very short amount of time, your holistic life experience. And mm-hmm. some of that you just have to say as a as a disassociated human just to get through all of these questions that yeah. you have to answer. And on top of that, talking about adoption, which is like the last thing you want to do. Always. When you're talking to a stranger and then, yes, you're right. Like, the questions always come after that. Yeah. My birth and, mom and I's like reunion has been, you know, I started out like everyone else. I was so excited. I wanted to share it with the world and just like shout it from the rooftops. And it was just like such a adrenaline high and like, you know, whatever. And then, and then when you, I wouldn't, you have an, enough experiences where everyone else's feelings and expectations are put on that, you kind of become protective of it. And I, and I um, don't, I didn't, I don't really feel like sharing a lot about it um, for the sake of sharing. Like it's something yeah. that I'm very protective of and it's for us. It's not for public consumption, so to speak. Right. Yeah. It's so personal. It's yeah. so delicate and it's, I mean, it's so private and, and, 
reunion, no matter how positive of circumstances, you know, talking about grief, you're, you are literally establishing a relationship with someone Mm -hmm. that you didn't have the majority of your life. And that in of itself, like you talk about exhaustion, I think about making friends Mm -hmm. and especially as a 39 year old, and it is so hard so to hard. just navigate, you know, are we aligned? Like, do we yeah. not even think similarly, but do we agree on like some of the core things as a human? Oh, I know. Uh, you know, you just have to go through so much just to have a friend, much less a family mem- a family member that you just met and you're trying to establish all of those key elements of a relationship with someone. It's, I mean, I absolutely understand why reunions go wrong a lot of the time because it requires an immense amount of work to even get to the place where you can face that loss and that, and it, like I said, it doesn't go away. So it's, it's, you're signing up for facing it over and over again in ways you didn't even expect. And right. That's really hard to do. I mean, I think in any relationship, that's very difficult. But in one where there's all these kind of expectations and desires we've built up naturally of who our mother is or who we'd want her to be, um, it's really hard to, it's hard for bio parents to compete with that. I think sometimes it's hard for us to concede things that we've desperately sought out or wanted our whole lives. Like, Yeah. You really can't understate how difficult it is. So the fact that in my case, it's not difficult feels like a gift that is the most precious thing and that I will, I, I'm willing to say no to other things, right. To like be able to show up for that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that you haven't been feeling great either. Yeah. You know, you know, (laughs) I think hormonally for all my moms and just women out there freaking hormones can suck it okay they're the (laughs) worst thing ever they're so annoying and when you have a baby Uh, it's like I think it's kind of like if your body's a snow globe and it's just been like shaken up and everything's everywhere and uh -uh. things aren't the where they used to be and I mean especially hormone wise so it's just really hard and I had a baby fairly late in life like at 37 so You know, but there's going to be natural things that happen hormonally anyway around this time or start to, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful to have resources to be able to find someone to help me um, from a medical perspective and I'm trying to be proactive. So man, yes. Okay. Speaking of Katie has big health news too, right? Since we last, you? yeah, you got your, you got your pump. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I forget how long it's been since we had our last episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Um, yes, I am connected. I feel like a, a bot. Your uh, numbers have been amazing. Yeah, they've been really, really good. Um, I think easily by November, I will have a 7% a1c wow which is you know anything under that is the goal wow Uh, 
And, you know, I've written about this, but last year it was 14%, which wow. is high, high. Should have been in the hospital, probably. Hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and I just think, how in the world was I functioning? Like, how was I even walking around and working and, you know, living my life? I mean, I felt awful, but I just, I don't even know how that was even possible. But yeah, it's been really great. I will say it's hard. It's hard having a chronic illness and it's difficult to frame and reframe things that are really difficult to deal with over and over again, you know? And even though an insulin pump is really amazing, you know, we talk about celebrating as well as having grief and just like the acknowledgement of having this connected to my body and it's it's going to change my life and it already has mm. and this is the rest of my life and it is hard to come to terms with that and yeah. you know I, I have a lot of different chronic illnesses and so it's difficult to to find hope in that. You know, I have been working on hope with my therapist because, I mean, I've been sick for for on and off since March. Yeah. So it's been that long. So I have gone through a lot and it's difficult to find those small celebrations and those small wins. Yeah. And to really feel that yeah. um, in the midst of feeling just bad. That's so and valid. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, uh, therapy has been pretty hard because I, I just sit there staring, thinking like, I don't know what to talk about. I feel like I am going through the same things I have been going through for a really long time. Um. But, you know, depression just works in 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 waves. And I wasn't feeling this way at the beginning of the year in the right. spring. Right. I really started feeling depression much stronger in the summer. Yeah. So just, you know, just learning, continuing to learn how to manage depression, how to manage all of these other external factors um and internal factors and how to respond in healthy ways and how to take care of myself in healthy ways that's been really challenging and also something that I've just been really focused on that's like a full-time job on top of a full-time job <laughs> yes this is true. <laughs> it is. I mean, it was funny. So I watched, I think everyone's been watching that like Netflix blue zones thing. Have you seen that? Where no. This, so it's a guy who has been studying these spot hotspots in the world where they have a high concentration of centenarians, which I think is people, I, I didn't know this, but I think it's people a hundred years and above. <laughs> okay. I was like, centage, let me do the, what's root of that word now? Okay. Got it. It's a hundred. Oh, okay. Goodness. So he's, and he's, they're all over the world. There was one he was following in Okinawa and 
There was one in an island off the coast of Greece. And I mean, that was, it's fascinating to watch, but basically what he does is he goes to these uh, communities and tries to learn as much as he can from these people so that, because they're clearly doing a lot of things right, longevity wise and health wise. And um, he's been able to replicate it through like some, a smaller city in Minnesota um, through this project and, but, but the episodes, it's fascinating. I think it's like four or five episodes and they're, they're fairly quick. It's very good watch. And it just goes to show you, I think that a lot of these people living this long, it's not even about, I mean, this was very validating for me having moved from an urban area of Texas. Okay. That it's, it's not really about how hard you try and how much you exercise and whatever. It's how it's where you live and what your community looks like and who you hang out with. Right. Because, and that's such a systems kind of way of thinking, right? Like it's, yep. If you live in an urban area and it's dangerous for you to like walk around your neighborhood, you're not going to do that much walking. That's pretty standard. But these people living until a hundred live in like hilly mountainous regions. So they walk quite a bit and they walk uphill quite a bit. And they, uh, I don't think any of them, Maybe there was one, actually, one community in California. Interestingly enough, it was a Seventh-day Adventist community, which I didn't know anything about. But apparently, they're really big into the exercise. That's one of the things that they preach. Um, So that they did a lot of exercise, but their community all exercises. So to them, it's not a stretch to, like, go play pickleball because all their friends are playing pickleball. Fascinating. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, it, it also makes sense. I mean, we're, I think we're all longing to belong to some place, a community. And then when you have people that you can do things with, I mean, God, isn't that like the life goal? That's the dream. We joke about wanting to live across the street from each other, but I know that's rooted in a real desire. Like we right? all want community of people that get us, understand us, accept us, like um, push us to be better. Yeah. You know, like we all want that. And so it's like when I, when I, part of me, re, like we do a lot of, I think I do a lot of the things that he was talking about anyway, but it uh-huh. was extremely validating for me to hear him say that now his job is going to be to go to communities and help those communities become places that it's possible for people to live like this, because that's, that's the reality. That's not accessible for everyone. Right. right? Yeah. It's, yeah. I would be interested to see how he replicates it mm-hmm. in very urban areas. It's very interesting. I highly recommend watching it. I think you'll you'll find it you'll find it fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And I think just, you know, when I think about the adoptee community and how we all I mean, we're just spread out all mm-hmm. over the world. Yeah. And if there's anything that I learned in the last few years, especially, it's that we're not finding each other a lot of times. No. And not until a group or an organization comes and sets something up that adoptees come together and they're like, 
I had no idea you all lived here. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> and I think that there's something to be said about our community and being intentional about bringing us together and more than anyone I feel like it's well any marginalized community I feel like is it's so important for us to get together to have that community because all of the validation all of the life experiences that we've had we don't have to explain it and um yeah, I just think that's really interesting. I mean, community is always something that I think about and think about how to build and how to sustain. Um, it's been kind of on the back burner because <laughs> I'm surviving and existing yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. But it is always something that I'm thinking about and interesting. I, I want to watch that. I Yeah. Yeah. That's You'll like it. It's inspiring while also being validating of like, oh, that's why it's hard for me to do that. Or that's why, you know. Yeah. Um, it also will make you want to move. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't need any help. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I think one of the things about this podcast that's tricky for us is the fact that it's about our health. And then when it, the podcast falls by the wayside, right? Because of our health, <laughs> it's a little bit like, well, we did this to ourselves. But um we are still working at getting some amazing guests. I have several people who are in the process of giving me dates, but um, are also extremely busy. Maybe they're in the same headspace. I'm not sure, but um, I know we're going to have some really good conversations coming up with members of our community. And, um, you know, we would love to always, I, I'm, I'm missing that community piece and I can't keep up on Instagram lately. I can't read all these posts. I'm I can't just like, either. Oh my gosh, I can't keep up. Yeah. It's overwhelming sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably because I, I've I've been kind of stepping, not even stepping away, but just spending less and less time on Instagram and, and thinking about adoption and creating that, you know, post yeah. surrounding it, it right. it's been overwhelming so it's because you're a person you're not content it's true yeah well that should be a t-shirt i know right surely it's out there i would hope so <laughs> like i exist outside of the algorithm <laughs> right yeah. right yeah so yeah we have some really great things in the pipeline and you know we're just two normal people Talking it best. out here. <laughs> Do, doing, doing our, our best. best. Keeping ourselves alive, our four-legged <laughs> and two-legged little love babies alive, right? <laughs> Luna. First first I was like, what? Two-legged what? Oh yeah, Who I got a, a new dog, dog too. I got a new dog. I forgot to say that. Did I say that on the podcast? I don't think I did. Got a new I dog. Think I think we were you were testing him out. Okay. Well, he or stays, obviously. Yay! Um, he is adorable. He's there's pictures on Instagram if you want to see them. But he was a street dog in Cancun and is still very thin. I think that's just kind of how he's built, though, because like we've been beating him and it's not gaining a lot of weight. So I think he's just he's just leggy and yeah, skinny. But his name's Chewy. Um, 
Chewbacca. Chewbacca. He looks very similar to Chewbacca um, from Star Wars. And um, he's such a good dog. Oh, Aww. my gosh. He's so sweet. So eager to please. And the only issue we're having, can you guess? Separation anxiety? Oh, no. Winnie. It's <laughs> Winnie. What about Winnie? She's a turd. She's- just jealous yes she's so jealous so our our older dog she's five she's not old but like established dog right she was alone for almost a year and I think she's always had a little bit of like resource guarding going on she resource guards food and spots she likes to sit and me so if I'm on the floor and the other dog comes up to me she'll kind of like so, not always, but sometimes she'll kind of like try to start something. And I'm like, no, ma'am, yeah. no, ma'am. She but, is a child. So we've had him for like six weeks and I'm, I'm like, is it ever going to get any better? It's not that they don't, they don't hate each other and it's not all the time. It's just, mm-hmm. they don't cuddle because now he, when she comes near him, he's like, uh, no crazy. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, it's funny. I actually taught Bodhi, um, because Bodhi, Bodhi can do whatever he wants to Winnie because she's just at this point, like she's obsessed with him. She loves Bodhi, but like, um, I've taught him how to say, no, thank you. Because when Bodhi would try to <laughs> pet Chewy, it would scare the crap out of him. Cause he doesn't, he's two. He doesn't know how to pet. He, like, it's yeah. like hitting, you know? Yeah. And so I'd be like, so Chewy would kind of growl at one point. So I told Bodhi, I was like, Bodhi, that means no, thank you. And so. <laughs> Bodie will watch Chewie go over to Winnie and try and sit with her. And, and Chewie will be like, or no, Winnie go over to Chewie and try and sit with him. And Chewie will be like, mm. and Bodie will go, no, thank you. <laughs> That's adorable. It's so cute. But yeah, he's a really good dog. It's a really great addition. He loves running and playing and being outside. And I think he's going to just be great. But there's just that like transition, you know, that's hard. That's fair. That's very fair. We all have to adjust. I guess so. Well, friend. Yes. Really great seeing your face. You too. I look forward and to seeing you in another couple weeks unless the university <laughs> rails us. <laughs> My God. Please let it not. Um, please let it not. Please. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, everyone. Hope you all have a great Monday. Yes. Enjoy it, and we will see you very soon. Okay, bye. Bye.